Welcome to the Friends You Wish You Had podcast. It's a pleasure to be here again. It's another special Marx Brothers NBA edition. So last week, July 8th, 2020, was the 10-year anniversary of the decision of the famous, infamous, hour-long TV special where LeBron James announced that he was taking his talents to South Beach. Yeah. So I'm joined here tonight by uh, the other Mark's brother, Jason. How you doing? Joining from D.C. Hey there, bro. How you doing? So wanted to discuss this anniversary. Yeah. It's been 10 great. years. Yeah. Um, biggest free agent move in NBA history? Oof, that's a tough one. You know, the most hyped free agent move in history. The uh, spectacle. The spectacle. spectacle of it. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, I just remember the, when Shaq moved to the Lakers, that was a monumental shift in the free agency landscape and led to them winning three titles. It was. So I, it was. I, I don't know if I could say it was bigger than that in terms of, a, you know, its impact on the league. It's close. It's in the ballpark. It's in the discussion. You know, before my time, I guess, when Kareem went to the Lakers, I guess that was a big deal. That was a big deal, yeah. I was too young, but um, I'm sure that was monumental at the time. Um, Maybe Moses Malone when he left, you know, for Philly, or I'm not even sure how that went down. I think it was a trade, but I think it was, was, you know, there was a lot of interest, so that, you know. Uh, But, yeah, this was monumental. It's right up there, Um, you know, by far the best player in the league every franchise wooing him for months and months at a time uh, for the entire season. I mean, it was a story every day in every town. At the time, I wasn't like, actually, decision for me, like I was a LeBron fan and I admired how good he was, but I really didn't start paying attention until the decision kind of thing. Uh, I watched intently. I was more of a Heat fan and Wade fan, uh, but I wasn't you know, it just, I feel like the decision and him coming to Miami is when I really, um, you know, started following him closely on a daily basis kind of thing versus that period of time with the Cavs. I was more of a casual NBA fan watching those games at that time. Totally, totally. Well, then you have that summer of 2010 where, you know, the Cavs have that, you know, ugly exit against the Celtics. They're up 2-1, and LeBron just kind of checks out in a couple games, and the rest of their team totally sucks, and they just can't push forward. You know, that pretty exciting finals between the Celtics and the Lakers, and then all of a sudden it's going to be free agency time, and, like, all these guys are going to be free agents. Wade. Chris Bosh, Amari Stoudemire, LeBron. I know I'm forgetting a bunch of other dudes too, but the big names there. And like what, as you know, what did you think was going to happen just from the Wade Heat perspective? So I remember that season, the Celtics played the Heat in the playoffs and Wade was as, you know, at his absolute peak. He was completely dominant, but the Heat team wasn't very good. Um, and I, you know, you knew free agency was looming. I, I did not think LeBron was going to go to the Heat. I thought it was going to be one of the other teams on the list, um, just because Wade, you know, was already there. But I, I thought the Heat might, you know, make some moves and get somebody, and then be, you know, get a Bosch or somebody, and then put themselves right back into contention because Wade was absolutely dominant. Uh, 
And there's a game he had in that Celtics series where he, I think he had like 42 points. He, they won a game from the Celtics, but they, they just weren't that good. It was like a first round series. So I, I just like thought, you know, we're going to get somebody as a Heat fan and that will put us back into playoff contention. Uh, but I, I did not think LeBron was going to go to Miami by any means at all. But you didn't think Wade was leaving either? I didn't think Wade was going to leave, no. He seemed like too much of a staple in Miami. The thing that is crazy to me, you know, because as far as basketball moves, obviously there have been free agents, there have been big trades. But this was the first time where the spectacle of free agency took on a life of its own. Like it was a 24-hour-a-day story. Yeah. It was the first time anything like ever happened like this in the age of social media. So all these reporters, NBA guys were – just tweeting out rumors and leads and stories all the time. And then, of course, ESPN was covering them all the time. Uh, Stephen A. tweeted this or, you know, whatever. You the know, latest well, rumor is that. The latest rumor yeah. is this, you know. And it was the first time that, like, these reporters, you know, they would never write a story about a rumor, but they were, like, tweeting it out. They're like, hey, I heard this thing. I'm just going to tweet it. Like, was it? you know, what is it? It's It gives me license to kind of – you know, say what people are saying, but it's not really news. Yeah, like these town, the cities were like begging LeBron to come there, and their their local papers and billboards. And well, it was it was that thing where he had he took the meetings with the teams. It was crazy. He made this announcement. Was like, what's LeBron gonna do? So yeah. he announces that on July eighth, you know, free agency starts. I think on July first. So there's like seven or eight days that he will hold this decision, you know, he's gotten, he and his team has negotiated ESPN to give them an hour of time, you know, in prime time, which is unbelievable. Just crazy. ESPN's like, here it is. Do what yeah. you want to do with it? And LeBron's like, my cut's going to go to charity. So you put up the time and, you know, that's where the money's going to go. So they're going to produce this, basically this TV special. And then that week, the insanity of following LeBron around as he goes to the Knicks meeting. And he goes to the Bulls meeting and he goes to, the, I think the Nets had a meeting because they were going to Brooklyn. You know, there was all these teams in contention um, and all this insane speculation about what would come out of it on July 8th when he makes this announcement and yep. really going into it. So, so no one signed, you know, no one with no team was going to sign until they could get LeBron. And he just like was unbelievable. The amount of, 24 hours, seven hype about it. Every rumor imaginable, every reporter had a different story. Um, yeah, different angle. Um, yeah, the nitty gritty about the meeting, reporting what he just went into the meeting, he just left the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said the meeting went well. And everybody you know, including you and me, we all suddenly became NBA salary capologists. We all knew, like, the numbers, and we knew how to, like, make it work, you know. Oh, if they could have these guys, and they'll have this free agent space. And it was just unbelievable, the interest that it, it generated. It was, yeah. It was incredible. And then the morning of July 8th, I feel like it was announced that Wade and Bosch, like, they went on SportsCenter and told Michael Wilbon at, like, 10 in the morning, I'm resigning in Miami, and Bosch is like, I'm signing with Miami. So then it was like, I felt like at that point, people were like, it's going to be Miami. Oh, I yeah. felt major relief just as a Heat fan. I still didn't think he was coming to Miami. I thought he was still going to go to New York or Chicago or stay in Cleveland. I don't know why. I just didn't think that was going to happen. 
Interesting. Uh, interesting. I think because they had the other two, and you know, it's like Wade's team, and they were sort of, in my opinion, the two best players in the NBA. Um, I just didn't see it, and I, I don't think I knew the extent of their friendship. Maybe at that time, and maybe I just didn't want to. You know, it was too good to be true as a Heat fan, so maybe I just didn't think it was something that was going to happen. Totally. I, I, it's, I, I can't even remember what I thought was going to happen. It was just more that this is what people started to say, you know what yeah. I mean? They were saying it's going to be Miami. So, okay. Like, and then, so at nine o'clock at night on July 8th, 2010, like 10 million people tune into ESPN, which is their biggest audience ever for something that wasn't a live sporting event. Yeah. You know? Remarkable. And LeBron, his quote is, in this fall, this is very tough. In this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and join the Miami Heat. I feel like it's going to give me the best opportunity to win and win for multiple years. And not only just to win in the regular season or just to win, you know, five games in a row or three games in a row. I want to be able to win championships. I feel like I can compete down there. So there it was, you know what yep, I mean? There, there it was. was. Like that was the decision. Actually, I was at work. I was in LA at the time and uh, somebody had it on their computer at work. And all of us, group of us, these attorneys in this law office were big NBA fans. Uh, and we were just, you know, all day long discussing it, brainstorming it, who's going where, speculating, what's he going to do? Uh, and then somebody pulled it up on their computer at work and we couple of us watched it so what do you remember about the show itself well i didn't watch the show i i only they were like oh he's about to announce it and i walked in and watched it so i didn't watch it itself so i just saw him sitting there and answer you know say what you just said yeah um, sorry i meant the, the announcement yeah. not so, you know yeah I, I was shocked um I, I, like I said, I didn't think he was going to Miami. I was a Heat fan. It was just elation. And I just didn't even believe that it was possible. Yeah. And, and, you know, I thought I didn't even think, you know, for me, like I had followed it really closely and just thought with all the speculation, all the hype, all the papers in New York and Chicago and Miami and all the buildup, it made sense to, you know, it didn't seem that crazy, the idea of like, oh, we'll have a show and give the money to charity and announce where I'm going to go. Um, it seemed like a reasonable thing to do. I think yeah. that's what I remember. What I remember about watching it in, in the week, the lead up prior, I remember at some point in the week saying to some people, we were talking about it, saying like, well, if he wants to win rings, if that's really what he wants to do, he should go play for Pat Riley. Because Pat Riley's the only guy that can put it on the table and say, yeah, we're going to win a title. Like, I've done it multiple times. So who else is he going to go believe? It just seemed like, okay, you know, just another another franchise where you're really the guy and, you know, where's the pedigree? I remember that. But then I remember it was like, oh, okay, we got to tune in. And then it was like it started at 9, and then they didn't, he didn't make the announcement until like 9.25. So you're just like fucking waiting. Yeah. And then he comes out and makes the announcement, and it's super awkward. Like, I mean, I'm super thrilled as a Heat fan, but I think everyone kind of felt like, you know, it was good. It was like one of those years where everyone knows what the best picture is going to be, you know. And, yeah, you still want to see him make the announcement, but, you know, with Wade and Bosch, and I feel like all these guys were saying, we've heard it's Miami, blah, blah, blah. It sort of felt like he was going to tell you what you already knew a little bit, but it was still like, hey, we were tuning in. Nobody knows for sure. He could have just had a press release or 
you know, five minute interview on ESPN, like, here it is, you know, but instead yeah. it was, the, you know, kind of this whole thing. So I remember that and like, it's on like Miami, I'm pumped, whatever, you know, and then I think I think I sorry, to, I think I thought he was going to pick, especially after Bosch and Wade chose Miami, I, I thought he was going to either say Cleveland or New York. I just thought those were the two. He was going to stay home because um, he had said he wants to win a title there and they had never won one in his hometown and all of that. Uh, or he was going to go to New York City because, you know, of his, you know, him being the biggest, you know, name in the NBA and all the stuff he does off the court and wanted to be in, you know, play in the garden and be the, you know, center of the universe in New York City kind of thing. I, that's why I just didn't think Miami was in play. I thought it was going to be one of those two. Yeah, totally. I, you know, I, it's hard to say you were kind of like, ah, play in Madison Square Garden 41 nights a year. Like the, the yeah. attention around I, that would be off the charts, you know. I remember the announcement and just thinking like good news, but wow, that was super awkward and he didn't seem comfortable being there and just the whole thing, you know. And then the immediate sort of cutaway to the reaction of people, which was, yeah, so disgusting. And I never thought in a million years, like that's what people should do. I feel naive. Like, of course I should have expected that these people were going to go bananas. Um, it was almost like a, this is like a breakdown of the culture and like a, a foreboding of what was coming in our society. Like it, it was just so ridiculous. That I just, it's just hard to believe really. I and mean, you look back now, especially. It was, it was. And then, a couple hours later, there was the Dan Gilbert letter, oh, which was yeah, like unbelievable. Right. You know, it was like, holy fucking shit. Like Donald Trump himself was like writing this letter. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you know, the loser King James will never win a title, you know. Um, yeah, he's a coward and traitor. And da, yeah, da, da, so da, crazy. Yeah. I, I was looking at something that I came across this thing. It said, so he owns that store. Um. And not that store, that business, Fatheads, I think, that makes like posters of mm. players that you put on your wall, the kids get. So the LeBron, you know, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're wall size, you know, they're really big. So I guess they sell for 99 bucks. So for the LeBron ones, the next day he lowered the price to like 1716, which was the year Benedict Arnold was born. No, like, I, I don't, I saw it, dude. I don't know. Well, that's I, crazy. I, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I read it on the internet, so I, you know, it, there's, you know, there's at least, I feel like a 70% chance it's true, but it, you yeah. know, but once you read the letter, you're like, of course he did that, you know, so shit like that is, is just totally mind boggling to me, or I was totally blown away by that. And then blown it immediately, away. as a, you know, I grew up like you and my, obviously I grew up in Miami too, or brothers. And, you know, the team of my youth was the Miami Hurricanes football team, which was like this me against the world, fran you know, team, franchise, whatever you want to call it. And it was awesome. And then all awesome. of a sudden it's like, okay, it's on in Miami. Like, fuck all these people. Fuck all these racist white people. You know what I mean? That suddenly like turned against LeBron and, you know, hated the heat. So like, okay, like this is awesome. Like, I can't believe it. And, you know, but it was this weird thing of like the announcement the like burning of the jerseys, the Gilbert letter. And then the next day or day later, two days later, they do this celebration pageant in Miami, yep. <laughs> which is also totally surreal. And just you're watching it and I'm like, 
this is awesome, but this seems like a bit much, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, but it was, but like, I feel like it was a local event for season ticket holders or something. It wasn't even like, uh, I don't know, but yeah, it yeah, seemed totally. over the top. But it was, it you was, know, um, it was just, it just felt like everybody was caught up in this moment. You know what I mean? It was just so, and it was just another thing where this moment was, why we're talking about it 10 years later, because it wasn't just this one thing. It was that it set off this chain of crazy events. And of course, you know, LeBron like makes the the famous pronouncement, not one, not two, not three, not four. And people like lost their minds. Like he had just, you know, betrayed the country or something. He had the gall yeah, to right. say that. <laughs> it was so crazy, you know, it was so freaking then- crazy. How could he go on national TV and like you know insult Cleveland like that? And I mean, it was just so ridiculous. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, probably should have had some more considering the emotional state of sports fans in America. He probably should have been a little more delicate about what he said exactly. But come on, like the guy just decided to go switch teams. Like it's okay. Yeah, I mean, be I, okay, like Jesus. You like know? I thought after that announcement, the next day, whatever would just be like, you know, like again, like the day after the Oscars, like we all tuned in to see, I don't know, Braveheart win Best Picture or something like that. It was yeah. like okay, but then the next day we've moved on. I didn't think it was going to become this thing where like America was outraged suddenly, like LeBron has been totally villainized for really doing just saying he's going to another team and giving a lot of money to charity like yeah like you said like it was a little inelegant but whatever like yeah i mean i'm like come on people of cleveland like you didn't have some idea this was coming (laughs) but well that reaction though instantly made him my favorite player but i think what that whole what that whole thing sets off is what is really like one of the most entertaining and intense nba seasons like i ever experienced you know it was like all of a sudden, like I had to get the package. I had to watch every game. I must have watched 75 games that season. It had one of the, to me, one of the most intense basketball games I've ever seen was that whatever that was, fourth week of the season when he goes home to Cleveland for the first time. It was two things. One, the fans were out of control. But I also thought it was very impressive that I guess LeBron bought a couple thousand seats in the lower bowl for people that that were, you know, from Akron that he knew his friends and family. And like people were there rooting for LeBron too, even though the general demeanor of the crowd was surly, nasty, and totally disgusting. Yeah, it was ugly. And then he goes in there and just crushes them, yeah. crushes them, humiliates them. And, you know, kicks it off like the heater and, you know, they're in gear pretty much for the rest of that season. Then I know you had the experience, the twofold experience of both seeing the big three, you know, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh Heat, but then seeing them when they went back to Cleveland. So you saw them in Cleveland. Uh, So I was moving back from California to New York driving cross country and just happened to look at the NBA schedule and it told Rachel, my wife, we got to go. And it was just, I was so excited to go. It was, it was just incredible. It was just kind of this fluke thing that happened. And, you know, uh, Rachel would not let me wear a heat (laughs) t-shirt. He was afraid actually. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. And so I I agreed. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't really feel like getting there confrontations but uh it really felt like uh basketball like theater 
like he like the villain had come to town. You know, we saw the people with like spelling out La Bum and La Coward, and mm-hmm. and like every time he touched the ball, he got booed for the entire game, and people were just so viscerally angry like all around us, you know, it it was just kind of surreal, actually, the whole thing. It was just like Cleveland was awful, as you mentioned, Miami was going to the playoffs and Cleveland actually won that game. That was like Baron Davis's last great moment, wasn't it? I feel like they, yeah, they won. And it was like the the Browns had won the Super Bowl. Uh, (laughs) People went nuts. Uh, People were honking their horns, um, you know, shouting all kinds of, you know, nasty comments about LeBron and the Heat. And it was it was just a nasty environment to be in. Um, it was exhilarating. It was surreal. It felt like um, theater, but like definitely a little, it just just had this kind of gross vibe about it in terms of the, the hate that was just palpable all around you. It was, it was a bit crazy, actually. Yeah, those people, it was very, I, I mean, I think in, I think looking back, you know, as more of the story got told, like you said, all the details start to get filled in and, you know, you learn more about this, you know, LeBron's story and just growing up in Akron and, you know, his impact on the state of Ohio and to the people of Ohio and the way he was able to go back, you know, and, and, and turn that all around. You know, it's, I, I guess maybe for the people of Cleveland, I say a little bit like, you behaved disgustingly, but it was almost like they had this terrible breakup. Like they, someone, their lover just walked out on the man and they were just like, they lost their shit. And it was so amazing. And, it, you know, to me, it just speaks to how unique LeBron is, is they're burning this guy's jersey. And then three or four years later, he's playing in Cleveland and the kid runs onto the floor with the comeback to Cleveland shirt and LeBron gets a standing ovation in Cleveland. It took them a little time to process it. They needed some therapy. You know, well, that one were guy like, wrote yeah. a book called The Horror of Akron. I know, just totally disgusting. Totally disgusting. Yeah, I'm like, what? Like, how yeah. is that even? Yeah, anyway. but the but but in that first season, the oxygen that 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 hate and that you know, and it had a real racist vibe to it. I don't care what anybody it really says. did. Yeah, it had a real racist vibe to it. It started with Gilbert's letter and it spread out throughout the the country. And, and people that – it's the same kind of thing. You know, it was like people who didn't even have an opinion on the NBA now had an opinion, opinion about LeBron. So it was like a national thing, you know. Yeah. And it was really disgusting. And it was thrilling to see the Heat almost get to the top of the mound and win the title uh, that year. Like that was definitely one of the great titles left on the table by the other team in sports yeah. history. Like if they could have really pulled that off. Um, that really it was it was like you mentioned the canes it was thrilling to wrap uh you know kind of wrap ourselves around our miami our miami basketball team you know we had been to the first uh we were there from the heat the inaugural season i was at the first heat game ever so you know when they won in 06 with wade i mean that was unbelievable and just just being so excited as a fan and just kind of wrapping myself around the team and lebron and just you know feeling defensive about all the commentary about him and kind of annoyed and pissed off by all the negativity and like you said the racist kind of vibe around it all and just how stupid it was to me um and i just remember them going they they had that like uh that training camp on that military site or something remember that's right they went to camp 
in somewhere yeah, like North it went to like a real military base, do stuff with the troops, and you know, like there wasn't any footage, and it was like all kind of secretive. And I was just like, man, I want to watch. Yeah, I just wanted to watch like practice. And, and yeah. they just that they had put so much on the line and said we're going to win, you know, and not and like obviously they were that good. It wasn't a shock that they were going to win, but you know, it's one of those things for the entertainment value. You know, usually people are, you know. They, they don't there's not so much hype beforehand it's more hype afterwards and this was like it was all out there america was rooting for them to fail they it were just, and and you know that playoff run that first year was awesome until the finals and nobody knew like if they were actually going to beat the celtics or they're going to beat the like the bulls like as you mentioned derrick rose and they had the best record in the east yeah and they were like three and one against them i think in the regular season yeah you know like and, yeah Derrick Rose looked like a force of nature. And so when they, you know, I remember that Chicago series when they came back down the stretch to win it, him and Wade took over. Um, and then when they beat Boston, that was just awesome. They had, they crushed the Bulls in that, in that Eastern Conference Finals. That was awesome. Yeah. You know, and they had those two games in that game five where they were down like 25 points with four minutes to play and they came back and won. Wade and LeBron had that insane you know, just took over the game on both ends of the floor, scored all the, scored all the points. It was incredible. Yeah, it was and yeah, incredible. and they kind of hit the they hit the rails against uh, against the Mavericks, and it was a shame because it was really the only time, the only season they had where Wade was like still full Wade. You know, it is a shame. It, yeah. It, yeah, they didn't quite figure out. Well, they figured it out. They got to the finals, and they just didn't play that well in the finals. And I mean, they did go up. 2-1, um, and then they just fell apart. Nobody gives the Mavericks any credit. That Mavericks team swept that Lakers team that had just won two titles. Nowitzki was incredible, and that team had played together for a while. And so, you know, it's easy to always say that he should have won, but, you know, you got to give Dallas some credit. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I think they – they came into that series and they were doing what they were doing and they, you know, they, they, they could have been up three Oh and you know, they, they had a, they had a shot to win it early and they just like punched themselves out or whatever. You know, I remember in those, those playoffs, LeBron was playing like 48 minutes a game, you know, guarding Noah guarding Rose and, you know, the same game, just doing everything. They're starting, like you said, Eric Dampier and Mike Bibby, and Dallas was a good squad, man. They had a lot of good players, a lot of vets. Dirk's the real deal. Yeah, and they didn't they have Mike plan. Miller either, which was huge. So, yeah, that's know, right. They, yeah. they didn't have Mike Miller. Haslam played some. He played more. Um, yeah. yeah, they really didn't have a ton of depth. I mean, Chalmers was, you know, he was solid at the point. Yeah, uh, still a rookie. I mean, he was still a rookie that year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like clearly they could have, you know, they could have gone up 3-0 and probably won the title. It's just, it's just really more of a shame that they didn't because then all of America got to be like, see, LeBron, we told you, you know. Right. But they also had a, you know, they just had better a better team that next year when they added uh, Battier, Norris Cole. and. Well, I think the thing that happens with the Heat is that they have that Indiana series where – in in 2012, they have that Indiana series in the in the in the semifinal where Bosch gets hurt. You know, he pulls that groin muscle, and then all of a sudden, 
they start playing this – they start playing small ball. You know what I mean? Like they're the first, like LeBron at the four, LeBron at the five. It's moving. They're shooting, putting up a lot of threes. And, like, to me, it just clicks. And then, you know, I remember when, when Bosch came back against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals in, like, game three or four, and he goes out to the three-point line. You know what I mean? And he's just standing at the three-point line, and he missed the first few, but it was like, what is this? Yeah. Because like, the first time he did it, it seemed like, oh, it was just like a one-time gimmicky thing. He was just doing it. But then it was like, no, 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 this is part of the plan. And and that's where, you know, they just hit – you know, it's a shame they couldn't have tried to maybe do that in their first year. You know, instead they feel like they, ha- they had to have that center and that power forward and LeBron. Next year they bring in even more shooting with Ray Allen. But it only lasts four seasons. Did not think it was going to end yes. after four. I thought it was at least going to go five. I was I would have guaranteed it. I thought it was going to go on until those guys retired. I think so. the thing that was tricky was Wade's health situation. You know, it's kind of a I tough, agree. tough and his spot. Contract. And I think that no one ever talks about it, but I think if LeBron stays in Miami, it sets up a dynamic where they have to get rid of Wade. You know, because they're never going to want to pay him what he, you know what he would be worth without LeBron. And I do wonder sometimes if that's part of the reason that LeBron left. Not the only reason, but he couldn't do that to Dwayne Wade because he just... Yeah, I, it's, it's possible. I, you know, I think... Um, yeah, I, I don't know if they were going to win anymore. Like, the Spurs beat him pretty good. And, you know, like you said, Wade was just... It just wasn't Wade. I mean, the knee wasn't... You know, you'd get some great performances, but it wasn't... You know, the guy's not going to carry your team and yeah. be your main star kind of thing. Um which was unfortunate because it robbed us of some good years of, you know, Wade being in his prime. Yeah, it really – It I feel like it changed the whole kind of out, outlook of his sort of place in NBA history, you know. Yeah. Not that he's not near mean, the top, but it just was like, you know, people will talk about him, Kobe over him all the time. And I just think it's like, yeah, if he could have had five or six more healthy years like Kobe did, it might be a different story on that one. I agree. I mean, yeah. yeah, he was remarkable that year he had. He should have won the MVP in 09. What is your what is your verdict on the on the LeBron Heat era? Was it in the decision, the whole thing, was it a success? Was it a failure? Oh, it was absolute success. Um I mean, four finals, two titles. Heat are right there with three titles of all the NBA franchises. Um we got to see, you know, two the two most exciting players in the league on the same team. We got so many awesome highlights and memories. Two finals. I mean, like I said, two titles, four finals. Yeah, how could that not be a success? It's too bad it couldn't last longer, but that's what it lasted. And then it turned out, you know, Bosch had a blood clot and had to retire. So, like, that's crazy. Like, who knew that was coming anyway? No, and the second time something like that has happened to the Heat too. Yeah, that's true. You know, and the guy in their prime, and then has some medical issue, and it's, you know, luckily Morning was able to come back, but he was never the same. How much? Uh, how much credit do you give Pat Riley for the putting that team together? The decision, you know, obviously that he didn't make the decision, but his role in uh, in LeBron choosing Miami, putting that all together. So I don't think it happens without Riley, but I think that the impetus behind it were those three guys kind of getting on the same page about it. And I think, you know, LeBron drove it, but I think 
having Riley there allowed for the whole thing to go down, for him to be able to throw those rings on the table and have the whole heat culture and reputation and his history and reputation and, you know, winning with magic and, um, you know, made, allowed LeBron to make that decision and be comfortable with that decision. Without him, it doesn't happen. I think that's fair. I think it's interesting. There's, there's been a ton of coverage. So there's been a bunch of people who've, written exposés and some documentaries that have been on ESPN had like an hour long thing in, in prime time, which was okay. It was okay. But the one story that Brian Windhorst told that was really interesting is Riley was the only guy who was like, we're going to get three. We're going to get a big three, all these other teams, their cap people, they couldn't figure out how to do the three, you know, they couldn't, they were like, maybe, but we got to do, this other stuff, but you know, you and Wade come here and we'll make it happen. You know, I think the bulls were telling them that and the, and the Knicks were definitely telling them that, but the heat were the only guys in the pitch that said to LeBron, we got it all worked out. You Wade and Bosch, let's do it. Like well, you can do it. And that wasn't obviously yeah. the only thing that was said in the meeting, but I thought that was interesting in that Windhorst article that was just like, you know, speaks to Riley, speaks to the Heat organization, you know, it's, you know, it's, again, it's one of those things, it's like we talked about Jordan, like you knew his trainer, Tim Grover. It's like with LeBron and the Heat and that whole story, you know Andy Ellsberg, the capologist for the Miami right, Heat. Sure. It's like he's yeah. the only cap guy I know, but, you know, and they figured they were able to put that together so there was no question that they could, they could make it happen with the three dudes. LeBron, you know – I think we yeah. got his best four years in Miami. Oh, yeah. The, the shooting percentages were off the charts, the efficiency. The, the He was playing more down on the block, too, like in that Oklahoma City series uh, in the finals. Um, you know, he was just – he won an MVP um, or two MVPs. Two MVPs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was just head and shoulders above everybody else in the league. Um, and then I think when he just started to be that dominant and went to all those finals, it was, you know, sort of the, the decision started to fade away to some degree. Definitely. I feel like it's one of the few things where, you know, he was just a few people just take that much shit and are able to basically like shove it back in everyone's faces. And really yeah, I don't like know how he did it. I mean, he had everybody talking about him 24 seven and like, um, I, and just such cruel, like there was such like a, an animus there by so many people and like a cruelty to their commentary about him. Um, I mean, I know he's a millionaire, multimillionaire athlete, but it was just like personal and the whole like Delonte West story was just ugly. And I mean, who knows what was up with that? And yeah, it was just so ugly and unnecessarily. Totally. Going yeah. back and like looking at some of the quotes from like Skip Bayless and even like Adrian Wojnarowski was not a big LeBron fan, not a big decision fan really. He wrote a lot of shit about LeBron at the time. There was such such vitriol and there was sort of like from a lot of, you know, I think from a lot of people once the Gilbert letter came out, it was like, wait a minute, this dude's taking it for people in sports media. This is taking it to another level. Like we have to be more balanced in the way we cover it. But in sort of the opinionated blogosphere, first take Stephen A. Smith world, how big of a piece of shit is LeBron was like a once a week discussion. You know what I mean? Once a week. I think it was daily, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, but I mean, for years, it became like a once years. a week discussion. You know, that it's kind of thing. It's still a discussion. 
I mean, they use the Jordan-LeBron debate to bash LeBron all the time. But I think, I think what's so amazing about it is that the one thing that shut every up, everybody up, really, to me, at the end of the day, was LeBron's play. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. they didn't win that first year, but they came back and won two in a row. He dominates the game like no one else ever has. That's not to say he's the most dominant. People can argue about, about that. But the way he goes on a court, puts the ball in his hand, and just does everything. And I think for all the things that he's been able to do right with his business and his sort of off-the-court success, and that plays a role And I think people loving him, at the end of the day, his play shut everybody the fuck up. You know what I mean? To the point where Cleveland it was did. like, please come back. And it's I also incredible. think that go, going back to Cleveland shut everybody up too. And then winning that title there, yeah. um, then he was like free to do whatever he wanted when he went to the Lakers kind of thing. Bringing that city a championship was just everything was forgiven. Yes, and, uh, yes, that was yeah. a big uh, – but again, something he did with – at the end of the day, like something he did with his play. You know exactly, yes, and I think you know the press. It's that's too simple of an explanation. I think in the press when they talk, when you know, because I've again I've read a bunch of these pieces and I've watched some of this ten year anniversary stuff, and I think the thing they leave out of it is like at the end of the day, this guy backed it up in the court like ten years ago. He knew how good he was, and he was that confident to say like, "Yeah, I can piss all these people off. Like I'm going to turn this thing into an event. Like I have." plans beyond just being this player for the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, that people see me as. And it's just crazy that, you know, he and his guys, you know, 25, 26-year-old guys, like, went in – I don't even think they were that old – 24, 25, went to ESPN, got the hour of television, like, produced the whole thing themselves. Now, clearly, it was a pretty awkward production. I get it. But as someone who's produced a bunch of stuff in my career, like, for a first effort, you know, an hour-long TV special is pretty good. You know what I mean? You did okay. You conveyed the information. You know, you got it across. And, like, that they've built that business, you know, from that Definitely, one production yeah. to, a you know, a production company that has hundreds of millions of dollars of investment is pretty impressive. And the other thing I didn't think about, I think Winhorse wrote about this in his piece, was that so when LeBron joined, got to the league – you know, the guys that he was tight with, Maverick Carter and Rich Paul, they started out working with LeBron. And then early on, Maverick Carter went to go work for Nike Marketing. And Rich Paul went to go work for CAA in their sports management division. And LeBron had other representation. And sort of these guys were like learning those businesses, you know what I mean, from the inside. And when LeBron made the decision, that was when those guys officially like went all went out on their own. And mm -hmm. they were like, we're going to have this business. You know what I mean? This agency business, this media business. The decision was like the kickoff of this whole thing. You know, I think there was a shift with Jordan in the business of the NBA. You know, here was this guy. He could be the superstar. He could lead this team and that the money could be so exponential. Like, the, you know, people watching games all around the world, selling apparel making movies with these guys you know using using them to do it to front it and you know create this huge fan base so jordan changed that and then the next shift i think in the business was the decision the free agency the player empowerment like these guys you know kind of thinking like our brand personally is as big as the teams you know we should benefit from that and just what that did to the business of the league you know i mean the way you know, I think so LeBron signs a max, you know, almost max deal of like a, I think 110 million. But, you know, if he would have stayed in Cleveland, the most he could have signed was like 130 or 140 million, you know. And now that max deal is like 
275, 300 million. Coincides with the NBA blowing up. I mean, the interest in the Heat was so good for the NBA, even if people criticize it. It's oh, so yeah. good for all these broadcasters and for ESPN. I mean, there's a whole cottage industry of just talking about LeBron. On the ESPN documentary, it was kind of a cool moment of transparency. I thought at the end of the documentary, you don't often see is the guy making it was like, listen, we'd ever talked to LeBron or Maverick Carter or Rich Paul for this. We talked to a lot of other people. So clearly they have their perspective. Right. And then he's like, and if you want to know about their perspective, you can see the hour long TV special they produced about it for their, you know, for their, um, for their platform undefeated. And there's a shot of the three of them watching the footage and talking about it. You know, that was just something that was unheard of, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It's like, not only am I going to be playing on the floor, like I'm going to produce my own content. So I don't need to go talk to ESPN. Like I'll just do it myself. And then these places will broadcast it. And it's really, uh, you know, that's just a whole new level of, you know, thinking about this stuff. And it did not exist before the decision. So there's going to be NBA in a few weeks. Inshallah, as the Arabs say, Lord willing. It's in Orlando. They're calling it the bubble. I've seen a lot of stories about inside the bubble, outside the bubble. Players are entering the bubble. What do you, uh, do you know much about the bubble? Do you have thoughts? I'm not going to lie, my brother. I haven't been following it very much uh, with everything going on. Um, I, I, I haven't paid attention. I know f- teams got to Orlando. I know they're like adjusting to the scene. I know games start at the end of this month. I know some people have tested positive. Um, I know that Avery Bradley's sitting it out, which sucks for the Lakers. Um, and somebody else that I can't remember. And, you know, I'd say it's, I feel like it's a 50, 50 bet whether or not it makes it more than like a week considering Um, what's happening in Florida right now, but um, maybe not. And, And I do think on a bigger scale, if the NBA, if this fails for the NBA, we're not going to see any sports for the whole year. Uh, they, 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 you know, set the standard for everybody. Uh, when they yanked their league, everybody else fell in line. Um, so if they can't pull this off, I don't know how we're going to pull off sports. Yeah. I, that's, that's, I, those are my thoughts, man, but I, I haven't followed it very closely so far. Yeah, I haven't followed it too closely either. Um, I know they're going to play. I, I think I, I don't even know it starts at the end of the month, that kind of thing, um, or the beginning of August. And I know I'll watch as much as I can once it's on. Yeah, I feel like I won't believe it's going to be on until it's on. Yeah. Um, it just seems, you know, you know, it's it's nobody's fault. Like this is an unprecedented situation, and there's new information every day. Like credit to the NBA for for um, for making it happen. You know, the, the one interesting thing to me about it, and it's more public health related than it is NBA related, I read where all the players are getting tested every day and they know the results in 24 hours. And I think that should be the standard for the country, for everybody yeah. who wants a test. And I think I would love it if Americans could learn more about that and be like, hey, why can't we have what they have in the NBA? There's been all this attention like, the NBA is going to look bad because of the resources they're taking. And, and I'm like, no, I think they're showing us what, what we all should have already in this country. And 
So maybe it will aid in that conversation a little bit, you know, because there's probably going to be a lot of discussion about the how, you know, for people like, how are they doing this? How are they keeping everybody safe? And maybe that's something that could come out of it. So any, any final thoughts, any decision thoughts, any uh, 2020 (laughs) NBA thoughts? Uh, You know, I think what, I guess last thought, I think this virus, you know, is really just in terms of the scale of problems. I know sports is, uh, not up there, but definitely very disappointing to not see this. The NBA season being canceled was one of the bigger disappointments with this thing. And, you know, I guess I'm lucky to be able to say that in terms of problems I've experienced because of this personally since the virus broke out. But, um, yeah, the season was, you know, it was shaping up to be this incredible playoffs. The Lakers and the Bucks and the Clippers and this battle for LA and LeBron and, you know, all the drama around him. And so hopefully we can, we can uh, get some semblance of that with this reconstituted season. And, you know, that'll be great. 